Chapter 4 of Under the Tiger's Claws. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Under the Tiger's Claws by Nicholas Carter. Chapter 4 A Friend in Need. Before depicting the thrilling episodes that followed the entrance of Nick Carter and Chick into Moses Flood's gambling house, it is necessary, in order that Nick's conduct may be better appreciated, to revert to his meeting with Dora Royal near the rectory conservatory and present the remainder of the interview. That the girl had overheard all that had passed between Flood and her father and that her discovery of the gamester's vocation came upon her with a shock that overwhelmed and crushed her, were at once painfully apparent to Nick, who quickly interpreted the true significance of her touching grief. It awakened a feeling of sympathy in the kind-hearted detective, moreover, together with a desire to befriend the girl, if possible, with which aim in view he gently drew her back of the conservatory and out of sight from the windows of the house. Having made sure that they were safe from the eyes and ears of others, Nick brought all his kind influence to bear, and soon succeeded in getting Miss Royal into a more composed state. She was barely twenty, an innocent and artless girl, obviously unused to the ways of the world and that her secret heart had been won by the strong and magnetic nature of Moses Flood, while she was entirely ignorant of his vocation, did not in the least surprise the detective. How could he now serve her best, however, was Nick's immediate and chief consideration. Now come, Miss Royal, I want you to confide in me, said he in a kindly and impressive way. You are in trouble and need a good friend, one who knows all the ways of the world, and just what is of true value in it. I shall have only your happiness and welfare at heart, I assure you, and very possibly I can do more for you than you imagine. Come now and confide in me. The girl heard him like one in a dream at first, but Nick had an influence at such times that was quite irresistible and Dora Royal soon began drying her pretty eyes. "'But you are a stranger to me, sir,' she protested, in charming uncertainty. "'I never saw you before.' "'Well, well, so I am, and I hope you'll excuse me,' laughed Nick, in a way to further reassure her. "'I felt so moved by your grief that I really forgot to be conventional. "'Here is my card, Miss Royal.' Perhaps you know me by name. Are are you the famous detective, faltered Dora, with glistening eyes, raised from the card to seek his? Nick laughed again, and his smile proved to be contagious this time, for the drawn lips of the girl began to relax a little. I am Nick Carter, the detective, he replied. How great I am, I live others to say. I certainly should feel that I had done something worthy, Miss Royal, were I to succeed in restoring all you now feel to be lost to you. Who knows but I may, eh? Oh, Detective Carter, do you think so? 
Possibly. But how, if, nay, let's get at this in proper order, that there may be no misunderstanding, interposed Nick, smiling. First, let me know that you desire me for a friend, and that you feel you can trust me. Indeed I do, sir. Your name alone is sufficient. Will you rely blindly upon my judgment, and consent to follow my advice? Willingly, sir, bowed Dora. I am sure it will be good advice. Never anything else, declared Nick heartily. Will you also confide in me? I think so, sir, if you require it. Oh, I shall not ask you to tell me very much that I do not already know, said Nick, with a sort of paternal fondness. How did you happen to overhear the interview yonder? I'm sure you did not deliberately play the eavesdropper. Indeed, no, I would not have done that. You were? I was reading in the shade of the shrubbery nearby, and when they began speaking. You literally could not move, eh? Nick again interposed. Ah, well, I saw that the disclosure quite overwhelmed you, and perhaps it was all for the best. Best, sir? Oh, how can that be? If Mr. Flood is as bad as, as... As your worthy father really implied, he would be a very bad man indeed, laughed Nick quietly. But your good father is both right and wrong, Miss Royal. There are far worse men than Moses Flood, my dear girl. And if he were to throw up his miserable vocation, which he intimated he intended doing for your sake, he would be a man whose hand I would grasp as a friend and brother. Oh, Detective Carter, do you say so? And who knows, Miss Royal, but that we, yet, may lead him to do so, and your father into regarding the matter in a rather different light. Oh, if we only could. But do not enthuse too quickly, my dear, laughed Nick. The job is yet to be done, as we detectives say, and the task must be yours and mine alone. No third party must be admitted to our secret, mind you. Trust me, I will do whatever you advise, declared Dora, now quite aglow with reawakened hopes. I am sure you mean to be my friend, Detective Carter, and I will trust you blindly. I think you will never regret it, bowed Nick, gently pressing the hand she impulsively had given him. You need not tell me that you love Mr. Flood, for I already know it. Ah, sir, he has been so kind and generous, so attentive to us all, and so gentle and dignified. Well, well, never mind that, smiled Nick. All that is like Mr. Flood. Tell me, however, if anyone else suspects your affection. Oh, no, sir, indeed, no. So I inferred. I have kept it all to myself. But what of Mr. Kendall? I think your father told Flood you were engaged to him. Dora blushed a little and appeared confused for a moment. Really, sir, I have no deeper feeling than that of esteem for Mr. Kendall, she presently replied. I greatly fear that my father drew upon his imagination somewhat and merely aimed to ensure the end of Mr. Flood's visits. Oh, very likely, nodded Nick. Yet you would have let Flood go without disabusing him? The girl turned and pointed toward the house. My father is an aged man, sir, 
and I have been taught to be dutiful and obedient, said she, with charming simplicity. I saw him in tears when he dismissed the man, who, without knowing it, has won my love. I could do no less than remain silent, sir, and abide my own time. You're a good girl, said Nick gravely. I shall do all I can, Miss Royal, to turn matters in your favor. Meantime, however, should anything happen and you need advice, I want you to come to me, or send for me, and I will come to you. It may be greatly to your advantage to do so, rather than to go to another. Then, sir, I surely will do so. Without fail? Without fail, Detective Carter, I will appeal to you only. Very good, Botnick. Now one thing more, and then I must leave you for the present. When was Mr. Kendall last here? Nearly a week ago, sir. He is away? He is in Boston, sir. My brother is with him, said Dora. But we expected Harry to return this morning. Possibly he has been unavoidably delayed, said Nick now convinced that none at the rectory could give him the information he wanted. I imagine that is so, Mr. Carter, replied the girl. Nick deferred his departure only to add a few words of advice and instruction, then made his way out of the grounds and returned to the city. He left Dora Royal, if not the happier because of his visit, at least encouraged by his kindly assurances. There was nothing new or strange in this interest thus exhibited by Nick. It was second nature to him to try to serve those he found in distress, particularly in such a case as this. On arriving in town, Nick hastened to his residence and there had a talk with Chick, his chief assistant, to whom he imparted the whole story. I wish to locate Kendall this evening if possible, said he in conclusion. There's a bare chance that we may find him at Flood's gambling house, or there get a line on his whereabouts. Just as likely as not, nodded Chick, in genial assent. Why not go up there, Nick? That is my intention. Want me? You might as well come along. There may be something doing. Good enough. What disguise, Nick? The usual one, Chick. And I'll slip into my makeup as Joe Badger. I'll be ready as soon as you are, Nick. In their pursuit of criminals, it frequently became necessary for the Carters to visit the gambling houses about town, both high and low. The presence of a detective, however, if known as such, is always objectionable to the proprietors of these places, for which reason both Nick and Chick had each a disguise in which, at such places, they were supposed to be men addicted to gaming and were freely given admission. With the opening of any new house of this character, both at once cultivated the acquaintance of the managers and thereafter visited the place only often enough to keep up appearances or when in search of some crook. Nick frequently had been in Flood's sumptuously furnished house where he was known as Badger, and none dreamed of his being a detective, not even Flood himself. It was about seven o'clock that evening when Nick and Chick approached the gambling house, and as luck would have it, they encountered Flood just as he was entering. 
Good evening, Mr. Badger, the gamester said politely, as the three men mounted the steps. How are you, Flood, rejoined Nick. You remember my friend here, Tom Corey? He was here with me about a month ago. I do not recall his face, smiled Flood gravely. Possibly I was absent at the time. Glad to meet you, Mr. Corey. Any gentleman recommended by Mr. Badger is always welcome here. Come in, please. And Flood shook Nick by the hand while the attendant at the street door closed the heavy portal behind them. Thirty seconds later, the clang of the bell silenced the disturbance at the bureau table, as previously described, and the three men entered the tiger's lair. End of chapter four.